you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 6. When I was about 15, um, we got the bright idea that we was going to jump off Castle Bridge. Everybody, anybody know, everybody pretty much knows where Castle Bridge is, don't you? Anyway, I wasn't going to tell my mom and daddy about it. Uh, and, uh, of course, we didn't. Uh, one of my friends let it out of the bag, though, and my mama found out about it after it was over. Of course, we all lived through it. And uh, by the grace of God, we did because we were all pretty dumb. And I can remember my mama saying... Uh, because I told her, I said, well, everybody was doing it. And Mama saying, if all of your friends lit, lit a stick of dynamite and stuck it in their pocket and walked around, would you do it too? Uh, I know that sounds kind of crazy, uh, telling that story in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, but I believe it's applicable. Because in a sense, that's what Paul's saying. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Um, I appreciate y'all staying with me as we go through 1 Corinthians. and I'll say this. There's no way you could plan to get in two more difficult parts of the Bible at the exact same time as you're preaching. To, so you, you know it's got to be preaching two books. You don't plan it that way. Um, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 and then Genesis chapter number uh, 38. Uh, uh, so I appreciate y'all sticking with me as we have went through these uh, books of the Bible. But in a sense, that's what Paul's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Just because that's what everybody's doing doesn't mean that you've got to do the same thing that everybody's doing. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, we're going to continue our study in uh, entitled, The More Things Change, The More They Stay the Same. If you'll remember last week, we talked about Paul talking about Christians, suing Christians, going to law against each other. Uh, but all of this, if you'll remember, is kind of compacted in or inside that um, uh, greater idea of uh, sexual morality and how we live our lives in a world that's different uh, than what God's telling us uh, to do. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, beginning at verse number 12, Paul records these words, All things are lawful unto me. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for, lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm not going to be a slave of anything. Uh, meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, who will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Genesis 2. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that the man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. If you've got a pencil, if you've got a highlighter, uh, a pen, circle that, underline it, highlight it. I believe for the Christian, that's one of the most important verses in the Bible, parts of a verse in the Bible for us to remember. It's both relieving uh, and responsibility. Uh, we are not our own. We belong to God. Verse number 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, one of the wonderful things about being a Christian, I've experienced this, I know many in this room have experienced this, that it literally affects every area of the human uh, body. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that salvation is so complete, it's so comprehensive that it affects a person's whole personality, body, soul, and spirit. It affects what we do. It affects how we think. And it affects our spirit where we're going to live for eternity. Uh, when we're saved by the Lord Jesus, our bodies become temples of the Holy Spirit. And He intends for us to glorify Him in and through our bodies. Uh, this concept of the body was uh, so radically different uh, from what was going on in Paul's time or what was taking place in Corinth in that day. You see, the Greeks thought that there was value in the soul or the spirit, but that the body was simply a necessary evil. Uh, in a sense, they believed that the body was just a worthless uh, tomb or a tent uh, in a piece of equipment, you could say, which housed the thing of value, which was the spirit. Uh, because of that belief, the Greek people... Uh, tended to go toward one of two extremes. Uh, they were either extreme ascetics, meaning that they denied the body, uh, food, uh, comforts, uh, even to the point of uh, torturing the body. Literally, asceticism uh, denied the body what it needed. So that was one extreme. Or they went to the other extreme, total freedom to indulge the, the body, which is called antinomianism. antinomianism. It literally means free from the law or no law, meaning, hey, if it feels good, I could do it. So they were one of those two extremes. And because of uh, the freedom extreme, the Greeks uh, tended to believe that sexual immorality was not a sin. So these ideas, these philosophies, caused real problems among the Christians there in Corinth. They were living in amongst these people and the, so they carried those beliefs uh, into their new lives and excused sins like fornication. Well, that was then. This is now. And if you were to compare the two, we really don't see much difference between the then and the now. We're living in a day where that basically is what's going on. If it feels good, what do you hear? Do it. Nothing wrong with anything I do, I, that I do. Uh, the, I do. The idea today is that, hey, everybody's doing it. It's okay. It's no big deal. Um, and 
as we preach and as we speak today, there was a time in America, I guess you could say, where most people uh, were somewhat familiar with the church or the morals or the morality or the mores, the social structure uh, of the church. But that day is gone. And we no longer live in that day. Uh, bad, yes. Fact, also, yes. And it's like the day that Paul was living in. Uh, young people have been brought up with TV and uh, they've grown up in single parent homes and they've watched as daddy's left mama, mama's left daddy and all of these different things and man after man's come into the home, woman after woman's been brought into the home. So they have no uh, basis to judge the morality as it pertains to what Paul's discussing here in this chapter tonight. Happened then, it's what's going on in our world uh, today, they don't seem to know that sexual immorality, fornication, as Paul calls it here, is wrong. I mean, I love my boyfriend, so why can't we live together? I love my girlfriend, so why don't we just move in together? And they don't know any better. Uh, what Paul's saying to us here tonight is, you don't have to. And because Christ has called us to be the light of the world, we don't have to do it. We live different in the hopes that somebody will see it and see that there's something different about what we're doing. So there's a big deal about sexual immorality. Um, in the church there at Corinth, they were saying, hey, it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. We don't get to have been out of shape about it. But Paul said, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, yes, it is a big deal. And he told them that the body is not for immorality but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Uh, and just like my mama said, Keith, just because they're doing it don't mean you got to. And I think that's a good thing for all of us to take and remember as we live in the world in which we are in tonight. So tonight, that's what we're going to look at, uh, what Paul's talking about here, this sexual immorality, fornication, and ask ourselves, what's God got to say about it? Well, I believe he shows us three truths here, three things that we can uh, take with us tonight as we look at this chapter. Number one, the body being elevated. The body being elevated. You see, sexual immorality is an important issue. It's a big deal. It was a big deal in Paul's day. It's a big deal uh, in our day. And it's a big deal uh, every day. And what I want us to notice is talking about the body being elevated is that sexual immorality is not a matter of freedom. Of freedom. That's the way the Corinthians looked at it. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Um, now, one of the phrases they uh, had in Corinth was this. Hey, all things are lawful for me. I'm a Roman citizen. I live in freedom. I can do anything I want. I literally cannot break the law because all things are lawful for me. Well, what was the Corinthian believers saying? Hey, they were saying, I've got liberty in Christ. I can do anything. I'm free. I can do what I want because all things are lawful for me. The New Living Translation translates verse 12 like this. And listen to this. You say I'm allowed to do anything. Uh, but then Paul came back with, hey, you know what? You're not allowed to do things that hurt you. You're not allowed to do things that, that will be enslaving to you. 
Uh, and sexual immorality is not a question of, well, I have freedom to do whatever I want to do. Uh, we're going to um, uh, uh, talk about that, that the body is literally in, in the act of uh, justification, sanctification, and the salvation that God elevates our body so that, yes, it's not a matter of freedom. We live in the freedom of Christ, but not freedom to do ourselves harm. So in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Um, we don't really use that word nowadays, expedient, but what he's really saying, I can do anything I want, but that doesn't mean it's good for me. And because it's not good for me, I'm not going to do anything that I want. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Uh, Literally what he's saying there is, I'm not going to be a slave to anything. Um, everybody in here knows um, the uh, issue with drugs that's going on in Burke County. Not just Burke County, but that's where we live. Um, how, I mean, all over the county, the social services are just to the max. Everything they can possibly do to try to keep up and the foster system pushed to the max uh, because of drugs and uh, you know the jails down there pushed to the max you know because of drugs and, and that addiction that goes along but just stop and think about this how many of those people that are you know their children have been taken from them or they're down there and sitting in the jailhouse because they broke into somebody's home and got caught how many of them do you think started out and just in their mind one day thought you know what I believe I'll get hooked on meth today and in a few weeks if I'm lucky I'll find myself in jail sitting in a jail cell with my freedom gone I don't know the answer to that I don't know if a real poll but I would say the answer approaches zero right probably none of them Started out saying, hey, I believe I'm going to get addicted to meth and ruin my life and ruin everybody's life around me. Well, how did it take place? Well, the same way it's always taken place when we become enslaved to something, some kind of sin. One little small step at a time. You try something, you try it again, you try it again. Uh, now, that's an illustration of what Paul's saying here is that we're using drugs because it's just such a glaring example in our society today. But sexual immorality is the exact same thing. Paul's saying, look, it's got power uh, to enslave us. But because I'm in Christ, even though all things are lawful for me, I can do anything I want. I'm not going to do anything that will eventually enslave me to sin because I'm a slave of Christ. And I'm only going to serve him, so I'm not going to be, even though it's lawful, I'm not under the law anymore, that I'm not going to do anything that would bring me under the power or enslave me to sin. That's what Paul's saying here. Because why? The body has been elevated uh, in Christ. Um, he also says that it's not a matter of biology. Uh, I want to spend a minute here. Um, I think people read over this next verse in verse number 13 because it's not language that we use today. Here's what he said, meats for the belly and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. 
Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. You see what was being said down in Corinth, uh, they had a pretty good understanding of biology uh, in the first century A.D. And they understood that you ate food and that food provided nourishment for your body and the body did something. They didn't quite understand the chemical processes, neither do we ultimately today, but that it was a biological process that sustained life. They understood that. So what they were saying was down in Corinth is because... Uh, God made food and God made the belly and he made food for the belly. That's a biological thing. That's a natural thing. So we can literally eat as much as we want because why? We were made to eat. Well, they're taking it one step further. And they were saying God made us. God made humans. God made us sexual creatures. So God created sex. So he made us and he made sex. That's a natural thing. That's a biological thing. So we can do it any way we want to, however we want to, and there's going to be no problem in it, doing it that way. Um, There's only one problem with that. You go pull up to the table and get you about 50 buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And you sit down and you start eating. And you eat. Now Wade probably could because Wade likes some chicken. I see you over here. And you eat and you eat and you eat. Now God made you to eat right. He made the chicken right. And he made the chicken to eat. But you keep on eating long enough and it's going to destroy you. You do it the wrong way. I don't. And everybody in here loves to eat. God made the belly and he made the food. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do that thing. And when we don't do it the right way, it's going to harm us. That's what Paul's saying here. So he uses that analogy of food in our stomachs. And that, yeah, they were saying that biology, you know, it's all part of that and it's just a natural thing to do. But he says God's going to destroy it all. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. The biological processes uh, that sustain life are one day going to come to an end. Uh, I don't understand all of that. don't understand how God set all that in order to begin with. Uh, I don't understand how we're going to live in a day where there's not going to be a sun, but there's still going to be light. You know, the Bible says that Jesus will be the light. There'll be no need for a son. Uh, so I don't understand all of that. Uh, what I do understand is this body and the way it works right now at this moment is going to pass away one day. So will those sexual tendencies that God gave all of us and they're all going to work in a different way that won't be tended towards sin. So Paul says, here I know these things are natural. I know that God made you that way. But there's a right way and there's a wrong uh, way uh, to do these things. So, yeah, food might be for the stomach, stomach for food. But God's going to do away with them both. And not only that, yes, God made sex and sexuality. But there's a right way and a wrong way. And it's going to pass one day. And in reality, your body is not for your own pleasure, but it's for the Lord. Uh, We've been told in our day, if it feels good, do it. And Paul said, you don't have to do it that way. That's the whole point of the uh, chapter. So Greeks, they taught that. So we're talking about the body being 
elevated. And look what he says here in verse 14. And God hath raised up the Lord, hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by his own power. That's where we get that idea of elevation. We don't have to live like that. We're better than that. We, we don't have to do it just because that's what everybody's doing because God hath both raised up the Lord and like the Lord, he's going to raise us up by his own power. We've got more in common with the Lord Jesus than we do this world. He's saying act like it, live like it. So the body being elevated. Then he goes on and he talks about the body being desecrated. Uh, sexual uh, immorality is not only a very real issue and an important issue, it's a powerful issue. Uh, that's what he talks about here. It's a, it's a powerful issue. It's a powerful thing that reflects on our Savior. Uh, verse number 15, Know ye not that our bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take members, uh, the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God uh, forbid. How we live and what we do literally reflects on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when we do something, uh, in, a, in a sense, it's that we're crucifying Him afresh. He's taken the punishment for that. He took the punishment for that on Calvary's cross uh, when we decide to do something that He doesn't approve of. Verse number 16, what? Know ye not that He which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith He, shall be one flesh. It's a powerful thing that reflects on our Savior. The body uh, is a, being desecrated. It's a, a powerful issue. It's a powerful thing that can hurt our own selves. Look what it says in verse number 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth was without the body, that he, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Um, I'll say this. When you read Ephesians, it tells us to stand many times. Does it not stand, stand? And there's that idea of when we're to fight uh, as we uh, try to live a, a, the life that, that, that God wants us to live. And, but when it comes to sexual immorality, uh, that's one area that the Bible never says that we're to fight. It always says run, flee, get out of there. Uh, I was thinking about Shane always laughs at me because uh, we take Cooper running in the woods and old Cooper will be running along in the woods and no matter how many times you do it, I'm telling you, you can do it a thousand times and he'll still be the same thing. He'll be trotting along in the woods and you can sneak up behind him and go. And I mean, he'll take off like just scared to death. He'll squat down and boom, he'll run out of there. Now, a lot of times, a dog's more smart than we are. Because huh? he knows there's some things he can't whoop. And when you can't whoop it, the best thing you can do is take off running just as fast as you can. God gave us that fight or flight instinct, didn't we? Well, the Bible says for some things, yeah, fight. But for sexual immorality, you best take the flight. We see that in the life of Joseph. We've already talked about that last week or a couple of weeks ago, I believe, that when Joseph was approached by Potiphar's wife, the Bible says he ran. He got out of there. Um, flee fornication. Not only that, though, it, 
it's hurtful to our own bodies because verse number 18 goes on and says, Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Uh, I've talked to young people who took the world's advice and said, if it feels good, do it. And that's exactly what they did. But months and sometimes even years down the road, I've talked to them. And boy, they wish they could go back and change that thing. Because they're carrying the scars and the pain, memories of shattered dreams and broken promises. Uh, I think that's kind of what Paul's talking about here. That we're literally doing harm. We've seen the rise of sexually transmitted diseases and all of that. Uh, Paul's saying, look, when you do these things, it, it's a powerful thing that reflects on our Savior. But not only that, it's a powerful thing that can hurt our own selves. And that's why he tells us to flee and get away from it. The body being desecrated. Uh, I want to say this, though, and I'll, I'll close with this. We've talked about the body and eleva- being elevated, the body being desecrated, but I want to talk for just a minute about the body being consecrated. You see, this is what I believe Paul was getting at when he's saying you don't have to do that. Is the battle against sexual immorality is a very winnable battle for the Christian. Paul goes on here and he says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, y'all know what that means. It literally means that God comes and takes up residence within the heart. We call this the sanctuary, right? But this building's not the sanctuary. I'm the sanctuary, and you're the sanctuary. I mean, I'm not saying anything wrong with calling this the sanctuary, but in reality, it's just a building. We are the sanctuary, the temple of the Most High God. And one of the things, I've ruffled feathers with this. Matter of fact, I've made people so mad they'd probably want to shoot me. Uh, speaking about those issues of, of sexual immorality, specifically as it pertains to uh, what Paul talks about there earlier on in the chapter when he's talking about the issue of homosexuality. And people have told me, well, my child was just born that way and they can't help themselves. And I tell them, I, literally, and this makes people mad, I think more of your child than you do, even though you're, you're getting mad at me. You're, caught, you're saying your child's like a dog. I'm saying your child's not a dog. They don't have to act like a dog. I mean, if a dog, if it feels it, it does it, right? That's how God made them. But he gave us a free will that with his help we can choose to do what is right. And I believe every human is so valuable in the sight of God that if they have a desire to do what is right, He'll give them the power then through the Holy Spirit, which is in you, if we have that relationship with Him, which you have of God, and we're not our own, so that He will then change our desires, change our wants, change uh, what we want to do so that we don't consider it bondage. We truly are free, and we want to in freedom to do what would make God happy or would please God who bought us and bought us off the auction block of slavery. I don't believe nobody is compelled to do anything. That desire in our heart, it's conceived and then it springs out in our actions. 
but I'm not a dog. And I don't believe anybody here tonight is dogs. And I don't believe anybody in the face of the earth are dogs. We, we can choose to do the right and we can choose to do the wrong. Now, every one of us has proclivities to certain types of uh, sin. We're born that way. We're born with a, a certain bend in our lives. Some people are born with a good nature, more so than others. Some people are born with probably more powerful uh, when it comes to things like uh, not being able to gratify them, you know, to self or delayed gratification and all that thing, putting off what's right, why would, you know, what we want to do to do what's right now. And I know all that and understand all of that. And people have difficulties higher and lower on the scale of doing that. But what I want everybody to understand is God placed in us the image of him on, His own self. And we're not like the animals, so we don't have to act like them. And that's what Paul's saying here, that God himself literally resides in us. And, and when we say to people, well, you were just made that way and you didn't have a choice, what we're saying to them is they're like the animals. And God says you're better than that. We don't have to do that. And we ought to love people enough to tell them that. So he says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Here specifically speaking to the Corinthian Christians that God lives in us. Um, Galatians 5, 6. Because of that, we've got power over temptation. Remember, I said it's a very winnable issue. Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then we remember that we've been purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in verse 20, and I'll close. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you know why I don't have to do what everybody else is doing? Because I don't belong to myself. I belong to him. Not only does he own my body, he bought that, but he bought my spirit. My eternal destiny paid for it at the high, high cost of the blood of Jesus. Paul said, hey, you don't have to do what the world's doing because God is living his life through you if you'll let him. And I thank him for that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, even though it's a difficult section of 1 Corinthians, I thank you for this book. And God, you've shown us and told us uh, Lord, how we don't have to live and look and act like the world does. So, Father, as your people leave this place tonight, I pray that, Lord, you would take these things that we've learned over these last couple of chapters. And I realize we're coming to another division, a change, so to speak, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, that God would first apply them to our life. Uh, Lord, I believe that's first and foremost what you want us to do. Uh, but, God, then we would uh, relate them or let those truths work out of our lives and how we relate to others, uh, Lord, in the world of which you placed us in. Uh, 
Lord, we need to speak biblical truth. It's only hope the world's got. God, I pray that you'd help us to do that with grace, uh, but also with courage and conviction. Uh, God, help us to live out those biblical truths in the church. Uh, God, as the world's watching us to see if we really do believe that book. Uh, Lord, not only as it pertains to sexual immorality, but how we deal with it. Lord, as a church, and then how we treat each other, God, when there's difficulties uh, that arise. Uh, so, Lord, help us to work all that out for your glory and your honor. And, uh, God, in your power, we're going to praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.